Hello, dear viewers and listeners. Welcome to the latest in a long string of episodes that we call Extra Extra. <laughs> it's all about whiskey. How was that? Was that a little mix-up for us? Yeah, you know uh, what? Slightly, I, little spin. I quite liked that. It was a little, uh, little, little change them up and, and well, go. we say, you know, change it up in the bedroom here. And I, I'm actually in a bedroom, Jason. I'm... I'm in a hotel here in, in New York, in sunny New York. Uh, so viewers, if my background, if you're like, where are all of Joshua's bottles? It's because I'm in a bedroom. In a hotel behind that pillow. In New York. What's that? Behind I, that pillow. I know. Got to fluff it. <laughs> well, as I was beginning to say, I remain your host, Jason Johnson. Oh, right. And he <laughs> remains Joshua Morrissey Hatton. <laughs> And we find ourselves recording in June. And June is a slower month for, for the breaking whiskey news. Mm-hmm. Although I will say, as I've been prone to do these last few episodes, keeping our, our intrepid listeners and viewers informed of the latest celebrity releases, Rod Stewart has released a blended whiskey. If you want my whiskey and you think it's whiskey, come on, whiskey, let me know. <laughs> I yeah. feel like that needed one more whiskey in it. I only do three. Everything comes in threes, Jason. You'll you'll learn to magic learn number. This. So it's Wolfie's whiskey as mm-hmm. put out by Sir, and I do apologize for dropping that previously. Put out by Sir Rod Stewart. There you go. There you go. I didn't. I didn't know he was knighted. Yeah, but he he might be a knight, but do you know what he's not, Joshua? Oh man, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It could be a, a a plethora of things. What is it? He's not a keeper of the quake. He is not a keeper of the quake. That's not like you, me, King Charles, right? No. Come on. <laughs> that was that drop of King Charles. Was, <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, all right, all right. Also, just very quickly, just uh, you know, we, we mentioned this on One Nation Under Whiskey, but here we are back in extra, extra. We we did receive a note from uh, uh, Christopher Sebastian Seabass. Mm. I I so used to calling him Seabass. I'm like, is it? Chris, Christopher, is, is, is it Craig? Is it something else? Um, we tickled him. We tickled his funny bone with uh, with the use of June Drinker mm-hmm. in the last episode. So hopefully many of our viewers and listeners have run out to purchase their own $1,200 and $1,800 June Drinkers. So it continues to be June, so, so, so dive in. Anyway, to bring us to the point, today... Our f- another friend of ours, Travis Williams, has actually bailed us out. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a little while back, Travis sent in an article from Whiskey Raiders about a, a group of roofers. And I'll give the title in a minute, but about a group of roofers who in, are endeavoring to, to save us all from the hardship presented by the angel share. Mm-hmm. So the, the article is titled, An Unlikely Group of Ex-Roofers is on a mission to save the whiskey industry millions of dollars 
by conserving the angel's share. And that was posted by David Morrow in Whiskey Raiders on March 27. And we've been sitting on it for a, a quieter day. And, and this point of June is definitely a quieter day. First things in, in reading over the article, we open up with an unlikely group mm-hmm. followed by a team of former roofers Okay. Followed by these ex-roofers, followed by if these roofers. So roofing, roofing, not not riffing and certainly not roofying, but roofing seems to be at the crux of this matter, Joshua. Were you counting like I was? I was not. I was reading. Roofers, roofing, roofing. If you want my whiskey, and you think it's whiskey, come on, whiskey, let me know. I told you, these things come in threes. Well, yeah. It's uh, and it's in the title. And it's in the title. Oh, geez, there you go. It's like having the, the, the fourth I, name. I just wanted to say, and it's in the title. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, interesting hmm. title. Yeah, sorry, we're not done there. I was I was yeah. celebrating the end of the episode. So, uh, what, how long were these? To, Tight thirty five. To do me a favor here, and 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 our viewers and listeners, you know, I've, I think the the article title is written assuming everybody knows what the angel share is, and and what I found interesting, no matter how many seminars you do, no how many whiskey shows you're at, when you start discussing angel share. Some people have kind of heard of it. They think they know what it is. Some people definitely know what it is. But I think I think there are more people that don't fully know what the angel share is and what the problem with it is. So could you go through that before as we before we go into this? Yeah, let me let me drop the money quote from the intro and then we'll we'll pivot back from there. So mm-hmm. so they say if these roofers can save some of the angel's share as they're aiming to do, whiskey producers would indeed be able to make significantly more money by selling more whiskey without changing anything about their production capabilities. So the first thing, as you rightly point out, Joshua, it's, you know, there, there's always a person here or there. I would imagine anybody watching a whiskey podcast on the YouTubes listening to a whiskey podcast wherever they find their whiskey podcasts is is passingly familiar with with the angel's share Mm -hmm. i think what's key here is the historical context for this which is i think pretty much anybody who's wandered through a distillery tour and has made their way through a warehouse Mm -hmm. has heard talk of the losses, right? As soon as you hear loss, you think, well, that doesn't sound like a good yeah, thing. Right? We want gains, yeah. right? Gains are good things. So so whether you're in, in Scotland, Kentucky, India, Israel, Australia, New Zealand, etc., etc., when you put liquid into your cask and you lay it down for maturation, there will be an inevitable loss during that period of maturation. Mm-hmm. If you're in a, in, a, in a damper, colder climate like Scotland, 
you're going to lose alcohol along with that volume. If you're in a warmer, hotter, sunnier climate, Kentucky, Israel, India, Australia. <laughs> I know there are parts of Japan that replicate Scotland, but it's not very often we talk about the parts of the world that replicate Scotland uh, in the loss of alcohol in the angel Actually, share. the bits of Japan are, are quite a lot like Kentucky. Yeah, oh, and that's, right? that's the thing about Japan, yeah. right? Exactly. Exactly. J Japan's giving you both. Um, I, I know if you go south uh, uh, in Japan, you, you start to get a little bit more Scottish, mm -hmm. uh, which, which gives me some comfort. <laughs> um, but, 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 but to that point, right, some climates you're going to be losing alcohol along with your volume. In some other climates, you're going to be gaining alcohol, even though you still lose volume. And then you're going to have what we experienced with our Macmira cask uh, out of the bodice mine, which is we lost alcohol but gained volume. Somehow, magical mystery, Swedish. Uh, <laughs> and we're still working that one out. Um, but, but to the process, right, you've had producers looking into this saving of the angel share for a long, long time. Now, yeah. I, I don't know how far back we can go in the historical record, but but the absolute North Star for me is Diageo. When Diageo are putting their research and development pound notes into this process, mm -hmm you know there's something important there. You know that many people are talking about that uh, and in search of a solution for that. And and they had talked about wrapping, you know, a cling film comes to mind, a surround wrap comes to mind, sure. but yeah. some type of product that you would put tight over your food before you put wrap. it in your refrigerator, yeah. right? Right, right. So plastic wrap. So... So, so there's that idea of if you could just cover this cask in the right way, you would save volume. But there's a much bigger ask there, which is maturation, right? Mm-hmm. Do, do we want to get into the vagaries yeah, of maturation I, I, first? I, no, or do not, we wanna... not yet. I want to... I think it would be good to hear these roofers out and, and how they came to this idea uh, of, of their process. And this is, this is their devil cask process. So here, here's the, the episode title, right? Oh, there we are. Gosh. Yep. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and so you, you've got one guy, this, this guy Grunwald, I want to say was his name. Works for me. And and so he starts off, he says, I'm like, I wonder if anyone's actually tried this before and looked in to see what types of applications or patents or technologies are out there to kind of improve wooden barrels. There's not a lot of innovation. There's not a lot of advancement. It's very much an industry that's ripe with heritage and tradition. And and that, that I, I want to get back to that a little bit, but I, there was one other bit too here um, when Grunwald visited uh, Jameson mm -hmm. um, in, mm -hmm. in Ireland. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it says, while on tour, Grunewald said that the guide mentioned Jameson loses about 26,000 bottles worth of whiskey every day due to evaporation. I don't know if that's a made-up number, but that sure, like you start doing the math, like multiply uh, multiply that by 365, and I don't think that any of that's correct. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm not a mathematician. Um, (laughs) Well, hold on one second. There was one thing that Grunewald went on to say, and he says, I'm like, man, this sounds like a kind of waterproofing vapor barrier type of thing that I've spent my whole career for the past decade on developing, designing, and working with, he said. So, you know, he he goes to Jameson, he hears this number, whether the number is accurate or not. What is accurate is that there is angel share, right? That there is loss. Correct. Correct. Right. And so he sees an opportunity to to fix that. And here we are. (laughs) So it is pretty key, right, that we've gone, you know, roofers, roofing, ex-roofers, so on and so forth. And then we get to, well, wait a second. If we put a barrier on these wooden casks, the way we put a barrier on a roof to keep rain out, then we will keep alcohol vapors in. But, and I think this is where we can't help but discuss maturation, right? Oh, they're going to say well, we can't is... help but discuss butts. But, <laughs> okay, maturation, that makes much more sense. Butts, pipes, barrels, barriques, quarter there casks. There you go. Pro <laughs> level, Jason. Uh, <laughs> they, they all, they all, right? You know, we talk about the wood as a semi permeable membrane, right? Mm-hmm. It's important that vapor gets out, it's important that external climate then gets drawn in. The oak pores are essential to maturation. They're essential to color, yeah. to flavor, to aroma, yeah. to, to new make spirit no longer being new make spirit. Yeah, you know, I did a an event this past weekend uh, up in Massachusetts, and, and it was an M&H event. And, you know, you almost lead the event uh, uh, an M&H tasting with, here's a distillery in a really hot climate, losing a lot of liquid. That sucks. What's good about it, however, is their whiskey matures at a much more rapid rate. So you can actually bottle it at three years of age. And I mean, there's, there's no straight equivalent, but you can say, man, this is as mature as a 12-year-old Scotch whiskey, a 15-year-old Scotch whiskey. And quite often when you say, how old do you think this is? Because people think in terms of Scotch when it comes to age, they'll say 8, 10, 12, 15. But when I led the tasting with that, the question immediately came, uh, came up where they say, have they considered wrapping their casks 
in in some sort of a plastic wrapper or something like that. So, right, it seems like it seems like this obvious thing, which is one of the reasons Diageo spent all that money. I don't know what the number was, yeah, but the yeah. money they spent to to start doing that. But every time that question pops up, every time I think about that Diageo experience, I think back to. Uh, our very first interview with Ali Chilton, when he talked about the importance of oxygen when it yeah. comes to maturing yeah. the liquid, that it was almost yeah. as important as the wood because it, it it helps that maturation process along. You can't have maturation without it. You really need that to help it along. Which is exactly my thought when we talk about coating a cask is on one hand, you're saying, look, here's the final product that comes out of these casks, and we think this is delicious. Mm-hmm. Isn't it a shame that we lose some volume along the way? And so then you think, well, okay, let's save the volume by coating the cask. Okay, we've saved the volume, but we don't have the same delicious whiskey coming out of that cask at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So if you go about saving the volume, what final product are you going to get from the cask? Back to my North yeah. Star example with Diageo, Diageo are not wrapping their casks. Diageo are not you know, doing anything to fight against Angel Share. Diageo spent R&D money investigating this Mm -hmm. and Diageo decided it was not a good idea. For me, that laid this conversation to rest. That was, that was the end of it. The day Diageo said, nah. Well, let me, let me, let me play devil's advocate here. Um, Oh, I see what you did with devil's cask. Um, and, and, and it's really tortured. This isn't a devil's advocate thing. <laughs> but I just, You're trying I wanna, really hard here. Just trying so hard. I, I, I want to put a twist on it here, right? When, when I think about... When I think about the idea of coding these casks or wrapping casks or doing something, when it comes to this, this specific case of these guys with devil cask, they say the coding reduces the overall mm-hmm. angel share by about 46%. Uh-huh. So the process is still happening, albeit about 50% slower than it normally would. Yeah. Now, do, do you have the next quote there ready to go in, in a banner for the viewers? Or do you want me to read it for the listeners? Yeah, why don't you read it? Because I don't have it yeah. in the, in the chat. So, so right after that 46% that you just mentioned, the quote is, and this comes from the, the Aegis Coding Technology website, the coating greatly diminishes ethanol and water evaporation from the cask without significantly affecting the flavor profile of the maturing spirit. In addition, the coating will continue to allow oxygen to permeate the wooden cask. So if that's accurate, then maybe they've cracked a nut here. Um, However, I I don't 
I guess they'll find out, right? It's going to take time for them <laughs> to find out. But I think one of the things that likely became clear to Diageo when, when, when you wrap those casks and you don't allow for the breathing, will it make for bad whiskey? It may not make for bad whiskey. However, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Diageo's entire, I wouldn't say their entire business plan, but their major products depend on this idea of consistency. Correct. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and if you, if you go around wrapping your casks and it changes, even in a small way, your liquid, that's going to affect what your brands and bottlings and, and things like that look like going forward. So for a big drinks group like that, maybe not so good. For a young distillery that's still getting their legs, looking to get off the ground, doesn't want to lose a ton of angel share while they grow, they don't yet have a flavor profile that they have to stick to, maybe something like this can work. And, and hence, hence my devil's advocate. Is there a place where something like this can work for someone in our industry, whether it's whiskey or or, you know, or, or another kind of spirit. Yeah. The, the, the fact that you add in time there, it will take time, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're talking about some, some early testing that they've done. The question becomes, was it a 53 gallon barrel? Was it a, um, a smaller, you know, was it one of these, you know, much, much smaller, um, you know, we know from craft producers who have done early day experimentation, experiments give you an idea of where you might be able to take some of this mm-hmm. without necessarily being a final product, right? And I, I can't help but think back to wood spirals being added to smaller casks, right? tremendous color really early on with a an immature spirit that was mm-hmm. very woody so yeah. you yeah. know I, I i feel like we're back to those trade-offs again you know and and, and that mm. time you know you you invest in this you cut down ethanol evaporation you cut down water evaporation you lose 46 percent less volume than an untreated cask Oxygen is still allowed to permeate. That's that's a lot of words, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's it, a lot just, of things. I don't know if this is an old man statement here. Maybe it is. Oh, it. You know, you you start you started making the list, right? Of 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 things that kind of almost get you there, right? Of of adding in the the wood spirals of mm-hmm. of rapid aging your spirit um you know we've we've spoken with the bespoken guys and and mm-hmm. their whiskey is quite quaffable but it was clear that it, it like wasn't there yet that like there was something a little missing mm-hmm. um and and then you have this here and it just seems seems like every time someone tries to innovate something mm-hmm. to work nature in a way that nature doesn't necessarily want to work you don't get the results you're hoping for you get 
a version of the results you're hoping for. And that version could be just fine. But if you, you can't like, come on, even on Star Trek, replicators can't perfectly create the foods that they loved on earth or on, you know, other planets, Vulcan. And my point is technology only gets you so far, whether in real life or Star Trek, gets you close. It gets you to an approximation, but it doesn't fully get you there. You know, obviously I, I wish, I wish these guys the best. And, and I hope that through this process, they may find some sort of an innovation that helps because it, it, it really is a problem, especially for hot climate producers to lose so much so quickly. You know, it'd be great for them to have a solution without negatively affecting their final product. Yeah. Can I give you a quote that's, that's doing a lot of heavy lifting? Yeah, sure. If successful and if it truly doesn't have a noticeable impact on the flavor of the spirit mm. of the spirit this technology could be groundbreaking for the whiskey industry <laughs> so, so you talk about your rule of threes if successful and if it truly doesn't have a noticeable impact this technology could be groundbreaking for the whiskey industry as it will allow distilleries, especially those in higher altitude states, such as Colorado, increase their yields and profits. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of heavy lifting going on there, yeah? It, like, it well, would be nice if nothing changed flavor. It would be nice if we didn't have to lose volume. It would be nice if we could set our watches by this, right? That was the chap's Grunwald's earlier quote, right? You know, it's an industry built on tradition and heritage, mm. right? And, and I think that's that's very true when you talk about Scotch and, and you talk about Irish. I think it's less true when you talk about American producers who, Whoa. you know, I'll let you finish your sentence there, but I may take issue. When you've, when you've, but it, but it's to your very point. When you've got a distillery that comes online in 2000 or 2010, right? The world's your oyster. You, you can define yourself sure. however you want to define yourself, right? You can play around with, with different innovations. You can take a corner of your warehouse and dedicate it to coated casks, right? If you're wild turkey, you might be less inclined, and, right? And, and, right. And, and, if you're and so this is, this is, just just one more comment, and I'll give you the floor. And 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 if you're if you're Jim Beam, who came out with the Devil's Cut, right, yeah. where they're where they're literally shaking the pores dry of the last drops of whiskey, they still weren't wrapping casks. They were still allowing maturation to do what maturation does. They were still allowing evaporation to occur and that increase of alcohol to occur. But they had a different process for wringing out the last drops. So so there is there there's there is innovation, right? There, there's no there's, doubt there's innovation. There's innovation, but I, I just wanna be certain that when when you talked about heritage and tradition and thought that maybe it wasn't so much in the US, 
you know, I would argue, granted, we have far fewer long-standing major producers than than Scotland has, but we still have our own traditions and heritage. However, I agree with you. Just like Diageo can play around and innovate and try things, those like Buffalo Trace, Heaven Hill, Wild Turkey, and and, and so on, Dickel, Dan, Jack Daniels, and so on, can play around and 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 maybe come out with some innovative products like the Devil's Cut. However, they're not. And, and maybe maybe through all these experimentations, they'll find something that that honors their spirit. But but when you're going up against tradition and heritage, I just don't know that that science in a layer of silicone or or a plastic wrap is is really going to honor that tradition, even if it gets it exact. There's something to be said about craft and working with nature and and telling that age-old story of generation to generation producing the liquid in the same manner that the generation prior did you know which is which has a certain there's a dollar sign you can't um attach to that there's a feeling you can't necessarily attach to that but it's something that you want Right, it, it's something that is more attractive to you than than something that's you know we Mickey Mouse this and not to say this is Mickey Mousing, but you know we tweaked this, we did that, and we got this other thing. Right, it's there's still something to be said for tradition and heritage, and I just don't know if all these innovations could ever get over that hump because of how attached to we as a people are to our traditions and heritage. But I'm intrigued by something you said just a second ago, which is even if mm. an innovation like this, let's say, for example, produced a similar flavor, right? Because yeah. earlier on when you were playing devil's advocate, you said, you know, that this might hinge on consistency, right? And if you're Diageo, your, yeah. your business is built on consistency. And yeah. even though it might have been perfectly fine, you didn't want to mess with your own consistency. Yeah. But here, here you're throwing in a new wrinkle, which is even if, say, rest all the arguments, say this does work, say it is the same flavor, you don't think the bean counters would want to save that, that evaporation, that they would see those insert number of bottles per day here, right? Oh. That those bean counters would say... Look, we've got heritage and tradition. We could also be putting out X number more bottles connected to current production numbers. Right. So I guess my, I guess what I said earlier was more of a blanket statement. I think in this particular case, this this seems, well, I guess we need to talk about this particular case because that's the point of the conversation. But in this particular case, if using this system or or some system like it allows producers to create the same liquid flavor, everything while losing less spirit, but aging it for the same amount of time or maybe even being allowed to age it a bit longer, whatever, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I think that this could work. 
that that becomes a very viable and attractive uh, innovation that that is in harmony with the traditions because I think it's sticking to normal maturation time. I think when we start playing around with maturation time or adding in chips or spirals or something to just speed up the process, which then makes it, which then turns the liquid into something that isn't familiar as to what we think of as whiskey, then that's when it, that's when my feathers get ruffled. And that's when my blanket statement more applies, right? Does that make, okay? Does that make yeah, sense? It, it, yeah, it seemed like a moment ago you were dismissing innovation for heritage and tradition. No, no, no. no. I wasn't dis. If if they came across that way, or if I said it that way, I do apologize. I'm not dismissing it for that. If it can work in harmony with it, I think then we can be safe. And I'm not just saying for me. I'm just saying. People love their 25-year-old McAllen, right? People miss Elijah Craig saying 12 years right on the front of the bottle, right? There's there's something about the aging of a product, even if it's five years like we Beastie, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there, there's something about that where you can hang your hat on it and it can it can mean something. Um yeah. Yeah, the, the part that remains open for me is I would I would imagine I may be incorrect in this, but I would imagine as long as casks have been losing volume, yeah, people around said casks have been asking themselves, how can we make this not happen? And the, the and and the fact that we sit in twenty twenty three, and casks still lose volume, and a number of tricks and techniques have been applied i remain open to the advent of a technology that cracks that nut yeah right that solves that problem and maybe this will be it maybe it will be right they've got enough ifs doing enough heavy lifting that maybe it'll come to fruition Mm -hmm. right but the fact that it hasn't worked yet well allows me to remain skeptical <laughs> that yeah. that maybe it's a tougher nut to crack than brushed on silicon is going to solve well for the sake of of these guys behind devil's cask Maybe it'll work out. Maybe they have, you know, I, I, when we started our business, people said, we wish you luck. I hope it works out for you. I, I wish them luck. I hope it works out because if it does, it, it does help friends in the industry. That, that would be great. Uh, again, time will tell. And that's the thing about whiskey. It takes time. <laughs> is there, is there anything else in the article you want to, to ring out or do we pretty much, Oh, there, oh, there is like maybe just one at the end. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's one at the end for me at the moment. Devil's cask has about 75 coated barrels of whiskey aging with plans to increase that number to hundreds or thousands. Uh, and the company isn't limiting itself to whiskey. 
So, so, so there you go. The question becomes, you know, how, how do you how do you continue to hear? Does a producer come out and say, "Hey, we have released this uh, the, this offering, this bottling, and we saved X number of of bottles from using this product." It'll be, be interesting to see how, how does this news keep going, kind of like the Diageo, right? They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we knew it was happening. We didn't necessarily knew that it had ended. We just know that they don't, haven't wrapped any uh, for general <laughs> release. So uh, things like this can sometimes go away quietly into the night. So again, we'll keep our eyes and ears open. Travis Williams, who sent us the original piece, can uh, can keep us informed if he sees more floating around. Other than that, I think we'll we'll get out of here, Joshua. We mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> we've had a day. Hopefully we have an episode. <laughs> so if if people like Travis Williams want to get in touch with us, how would they do that, Jason? I think they should send a, an email to info at singlecastnation.com or an email to questions at one nation under whiskey.com. No E in whiskey. Viewers can add comments below. They can also... Smash that subscribe button. And there's ringing of the bell. And I don't know what that means. And it might be rude. And a young person told me to say it. And I might have made a terrible mistake. Oh, wow. Jason, you didn't just say what I thought you said, did you? I did. I have no idea what it means. So anyway. Heritage, (laughs) not tradition. Um, We are going to get out of here until the next time. We will make sure we've got drams in hand the next time because not talking about whiskey is is sad. So we'll make mm. sure we're talking about whiskey next time. Yeah, and drinking. In our glasses. In our yeah, glasses. there you go. Sip, sip, there you go. Sip, sip. All right. All right. We will get out of here as we have been prone to do by saying peace. 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 <laughs>